Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome to Filthy Shambles. It's season three, episode twenty-four. I am joined by Adam. Adam, it's been a while, mate. How, how have you been? Yeah, really good, thank you. Uh, unsurprisingly, a bit better uh, now than I was about seventy-two hours ago. But uh, all is good, thank you. So um, let, well, we were going to record off the West Ham game, and I'm actually quite grateful we didn't because <laughs> it. Uh, not to dismiss that performance, but it. It feels like everything that we needed from Tottenham in that derby game uh, that we didn't get, we actually got against Newcastle. You know, we wanted to see Spurs on the front foot and be a lot more aggressive and clinical and a lot more direct. We wanted Spurs to handle the second half um, with a lot more tenacity and not allow the opposition to kind of get a stranglehold in 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 uh in, in in the game i mean let's go back to the west ham momentarily but how disappointed were you that evening did you were you at the game did you did you manage to to get there or uh, yeah i was there it, it was oh, probably the thing. first it was the first negative result this season that i really felt disappointed with the with the group of of people involved i suppose um Less so Ange, more I just didn't think the players really did themselves justice. Um, mm. And, you know, and look, we sort of saw it on Sunday as well when it doesn't really matter. The the goals we give away are generally far too stupid at the moment. And um, it's not about defending with a high line or this, this weird narrative that's been created about that. Just in general, the goals we're conceding are poor goals. And to lose two goals to West Ham, who were barely even trying to score. They were, we weren't really under pressure against West Ham. They were just waiting for a couple of moments and they got them. Uh, so to fall into the trap like that, I thought was particularly disappointing. Um, albeit, you know, the, the squad was pretty decimated um, and it's difficult to change it. And they're a hard team to play against because they, they probably are the team that play a lowest block with the best players of the clubs that do that. Like they have good defenders, they have good players. So... It was an annoying game, uh, mm. and I was pleased not to have to talk about it the day after because I was just very pissed <laughs> off. You, you, you kind of done me a favour as well, to be fair. Not <laughs> that, not that we're happy. Well, arguably, I am a happy clapper. That's what I get accused of, of being by even my closest friends. Um, but it, it's it, it's it's hard. I mean, look, I kind of record podcasts every week, so I have to. I kinda, it's not that I have to have an opinion every week. I'm just going to talk reactively about about Spurs about the last game but often in the last month or so it's been quite tricky to keep repeating the same thing because even though the performances have been decent the results haven't been decent it's it's hard to really gauge where we're at when we do have a lot of players missing but now we're those players are returning those players are coming back um I guess we're in a better position than than we were. But are you? Can we lean on that? I know Ange Postecoglou has been talking about no excuses. You know, from a mentality perspective, that the players shouldn't just 
say, oh well, we've got missing players, and just and just live and die by 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 that. Do you think uh, in in do you think basically that that is an excuse? That is a valid excuse because in the same discussion, Postecoglou has basically said, "Well, actually, I've been quite harsh on the players." I thought his long answer uh, after the game on Sunday was pretty much spot on in the sense of we were decimated in that Chelsea game, which anyone who you know takes even a passing involvement in Premier League football could see that that was the case and it was funny when when the team was announced on Sunday for the first time I wasn't sort of looking to see who was playing out of position to fill in outside of Ben Davis obviously mm. everyone else was in a position on the team even when I thought some was playing up front and Richardson on the left everyone that you look at you thought oh okay yeah we're, we're not having to plug anyone into a into a, a position they're not used to and I don't think it's a coincidence at all that that gave us our best performance in a month, six weeks. Yeah, in, 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 in quite a while. And, and this is this is what what I was trying to say before you answered the question in, in, the, in, the, in the, the clumsy way was we kind of know the predicament we're in. We know that we're in a, a situation where we're going to struggle because we don't have that much depth. We know how strong we are when we've got a, a first 11, but we weren't even at our full capacity with those 11. Um, take out key players, having to rely on, on, on defenders that aren't defenders. It's, 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 it's going to cause you problems. And the, 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 the thing that I've anchored myself to is that West Ham aside, um, which was t- completely on us. West Ham have gone to Fulham and, got, and have got absolutely smashed by Fulham. Um, West Ham aside, and, and possibly the Wolves Wolves game, are the only the only two times this season where I felt Spurs haven't been that great, you know. And and you can it says a lot about what Postecoglou has done thus far. Is is is, is I guess my point. There's no question to this. It's just a statement that. It's easy to do your pods and opinions after every game, but it's temporary situations that we're trying to uh, bury underneath permanent conclusions. And the reality is that we do have to just graft along with the players and have to endure it. But it was it was good. It was good to win again. We're going to get into the, the game, the Newcastle game details, and we can compare to the West Ham game as well. But it was good to have a little disco at the end of the game against Newcastle. It's been a while since... It's it's mad, actually, Adam. Like I think this is our worst run at home for 15 years. Three successive defeats. <laughs> it's, it, it, but it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel like it was. So there's something to be said. Uh, about the energy around Tottenham. And, and it was interesting, Paul Coit, uh, who I, I'm not a fan of him trying to galvanise the, the, the supporters at the beginning of every game. I yeah, I should... really don't like that. Yeah, it's it's not that it's patronising, it's, un- it's unnecessary. Trumpet, fine. It, him telling us to, you know, get behind the, the team, well, fucking hell, well, that's exactly what we're going to do instinctively, <laughs> naturally. But he did say something that I thought... Is, did he mean this to say in in the way that he delivered it? And that and the the words basically were, you know, something special is happening here. And I was like, it's amazing he can say that, and I can nod in agreement. And we've lost three successive home games, <laughs> and we got one point in fifteen, and yet we know exactly what he means. Do you, you know, without getting over dramatic, which obviously I, I'm 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 doing right now. 
Um, do you still feel confident in 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 imposter Coglu and the players and, and the future, um, even though we've we've had this sticky moment? Do you think the sticky moment was a necessary evil? Um, I don't think it was necessary. I really wish it hadn't happened and we had ten more points. To be honest, yeah, true. Without um, but I think it was a an expected evil given the you know, the state of the team, to be honest. Um, you know, that's just, unfortunately, that was always going to happen. Sorry, my dog's decided to give himself the oh, that's, that's fine. a lifetime. We don't like here. Don't mind um, the cameo. There you go. Yeah, he loves, loves Can you play centre-back? Uh, with gusto. With gusto. Loves <laughs> much, he's quicker, than, quicker, stronger than Eric Dyer. Probably a bit more sensible. Oh, um, oh gosh, gosh. There we go. Oh, I had to get a dig in. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was just a case. So I said after the Man City game that even in the peak of Pochettino's era, I've never felt as confident in the long term future of Tottenham um, than I do right now. And I'm not going to have that wavered by individual results like West Ham. Mm. Like, if you have that thought, then you have to have that pretty much in a linear fashion as, as the season goes on. And of course, you're going to have, you're going to be pissed off after individual games, but. There's nothing that I'm seeing that has me anything other than supremely excited for for the future. Um, and you know, even even if you, you know, people were mentioning how Arteta and Klopp and Guardiola how they struggled in their first year uh, and and finished what well, comparative struggles um, and look where they finished. Now we'll, we'll probably end up eclipsing all of those from a position standpoint. Um, mm. And but then they were massively backed by by their chairman and owners, and and that's the, that's the flip side of it. You know, it, things are great right now, but it does have to be matched by ambition from the top down. Yeah, I, I mean, I I can't disagree with that. I think everybody, even 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 myself, happy clapping. You know, we we need to see the right ruthless decision making and and kind of we 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 need to know exactly what it is that we need. And judging by the discussions that Postacoglu had uh, has, has had through the media about his relationship with Daniel Levy, they all seem to be on the same page. You know, we've made the changes with the infrastructure, the the way that we we're using data. Obviously, the onus is on January because we've got players, you know, still missing players that will come back mid-January. We've got players that will go missing at the start of the year because of the um, uh, Asia Cup, the African Cup of Nations. So we kind of need players in. We need something in to solidify. But I don't think, I don't think, I mean, do you see anything happening in January apart from maybe, I don't know, an emergency centre-back? Oh, I I think we're, you know, two players is the bare minimum we need in January. I think Mm. we need another forward player Mm. um, because... Uh, you know, without Madison, Kulisevsky looks a real natural central player. He might look a natural central player with Madison uh, from a rotation standpoint, which sort of leaves you Son, Richarlison and Brennan Johnson who aren't going to be able to play every game, even if Kulisevsky's there as well. You know, you can't only have four players for three positions. So I think a forward is a must, absolute must, and a centre-half is a must. And ideally I'd like... I think for for the squad to be sort of completed, we need two more wing forwards and two more centre halves. But um, in January, I think you'd probably be fairly accepting of getting one each and then doing the rest in the summer. But if they don't get two players in January, I think everyone would have the right to be pretty miffed. Yeah, I, I think again, it's just a, a bit of a teaser question because 
I think the entire month of January is going to be dominated by the, the, the transfer window, whether you're at the game, in the pub, online, or, or recording a podcast. It, it's going to be the thing that will probably break the fan base again um, because in our heads, people will look at needing the four or five new players. And the reality is you can't really get that done in, in, in January. And, and also, in addition to that, we have players that we need to still sell and push out. So we'll worry about that when it when it comes. But just just something that's probably not that relevant anymore that I was thinking about. And I might have spoken to a, a couple of people offline about this. I I, I saw I, I kind of saw people talking about how we got we got to beat Newcastle. It's a must win. We have to win. You know, if we don't win, mm, not sure what's going to happen. You know, Postacoglu, you're going to have to start questioning him. It's very, very sort of kind of minority tweeting. It's not the, what the, how the majority feel. And social media is the loudest will always be amplified uh, above everyone else. However, considering what you said, you look at Arteta, he spent three years with people not really that sure what with what he was trying to do it's just in terms of his output they could see what he was trying to do but the output was not aligning to it and and, and a lot of Arsenal supporters wanted him gone do, do you think as Spurs fans like we are a little bit entitled just on the fact that we feel like like the club have taken away all the opportunities that they should be giving us do you think that's a potential problem with with these type of moments where there's a bit of a wobble uh, or do you think it's just a, a load of noise? Because if you go to the stadium, you know, it's a completely different atmosphere and a different vibe to what you get online. Um, no, I, I think Sunday, look, obviously cup finals are the only games that are actually must win because if you don't win them, you don't win the cup. Um, so if you're... And we know a lot to, about that. Yeah, exactly. So if you're going to take the definition of what a must win game means... Very, you'll never get a league game that's must win, really, and certainly until you get to May. But I, I did think for the general narrative atmosphere around the place, not winning on Sunday would have been damaging. And I think you did see people asking, "Were there booze on Thursday?" And you know, because one idiot journalist like John Cross would have tweeted out, "You know, booze at full time, the bubbles burst," which would really piss me off. Um, it was classic red top, disingenuous rubbish. Um, and I want to permeate a little bit through social media of, you know, are they booing? What's going mm. on? Um, so I did think Sunday was a must win just to sort of nip that in the bud. And the way yeah. in which we won really created, um, well, let's, you know, let's all talk that about swell that. again. Let's talk about that. Uh, let, let's start with Son because, you know, sometimes it's, it's amazing. This guy, like his record for Tottenham and his performances for Tottenham and his, his love for the club. Um, you know, he still somehow attracts criticism. It's like if he doesn't score, he doesn't do anything. You know, and look, he's not Harry Kane. He's not going to drop deep. He's gonna he's going to start kind of creating for you. But he's done that twice on the weekend, playing out wide. Uh, obviously, you know, like you said, we do have this issue with, with forward players, just in terms of of a, a little bit of depth and a little bit of support a bit of an out-and-out striker, a a Harry Kane-type player without it being Harry Kane because there is no comparison to Harry Kane. Um, So Son plays out wide. Richie plays up top. Son, two assists. Richie with a brace. And then suddenly things don't look so rough anymore, just in in terms of 
the the problems that we have had, mainly being take the lead, lose the game. Sorry, I just missed the end of the question there. You said take the lead and sorry. Um yeah, that wasn't that wasn't the best delivery for, for me. <laughs> unlike okay. Son, unlike Son's uh, unlike deliveries Son. across the. Uh, so yeah, so just basically, does it? You know, we we've been missing that cutting edge, that 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 just that clinical um, uh, touch in the penalty area, um, and just the playing Son out wide, bringing Richie back, who's just come back from. Um, he's come back from surgery, basically, and he looks a completely different player. Um, he's scoring with his feet, not his head. I mean, there's no, there's no Perisic to be able to deliver crosses in uh, to land on his head. Um, are you just happy with the way that we're looking now up top with uh, Johnson bedding in a little bit more? Was a bit unlucky not to score him as well? Yeah, it certainly looked a lot brighter, didn't it? Um, uh, I think Johnson... Is looks like someone that needs an arm around the shoulder and a bit of confidence, which is totally fine. I think you can more than accept that from a young player. And it will be the first time, hopefully the last time in his career, he has such a, a massive price tag over his head. Um, and I, I think he looks like he's been playing with a little bit of the weight of that on his shoulders. And mm. so... Oh, so sticking him out on the right where he can just be a, a, a straight-line runner... Um, Sorry. Uh, do you want me to have a word with your dog? Like, it needs to be just, simbined, mate. That's it. One second. Let me just stop this one sec. Right. Okay. So Adam's, <laughs> Adam's going to deal with his dog, who seems to have an opinion about Son and Richie, and and why not? I mean, I don't speak dog, uh, so I'm not sure whether he was being positive, but um, I'm sure he was. Um, so let's just see. It's just fingers crossed Adam doesn't have to take him for a walk. Right, he's hopefully been banished. Um, <laughs> let me try that whole answer, whole answer again. Um, yeah, I think that the front three from a balance standpoint did look better. Um, Johnson on the right, I think he's been playing with a little bit of, not fear on the left-hand side, but it hasn't looked quite as natural. And I think letting yeah. him just be a straight-line runner on Sunday looked to just free him up from responsibility and didn't look like he had to think about it so much against West Ham he looked like he was it didn't look natural what he was trying no, to do with he the didn't, ball he it, didn't play it, well did a little he? bit no he didn't play well it all looked like he was having to take an extra an extra touch extra step that you wouldn't expect from a player that's really um, sort of at it um, and then I, yeah, we just got a little bit of luck on Sunday that we haven't had like Richarlison's second goal the first touch was okay, but mm, in other games, you feel, like, you feel like the keeper would have come and got it and then he'd be gutted. But, you know, for once, we got that bit of luck that the keeper didn't maybe do his job perfectly and he was able to slot it in. And just little things like that can change the mood so much. I mean, look at that stupid West Ham first goal. Um, you know, not only does it hit Romero, it then hits Ben Davis and then lands at the feet of Jared Bowen, who is, isn't yeah. really even involved in the game. And yeah. I, th I think sometimes you need little moments like that that uh, are unforeseen, but the, you know, the, the bounce of the ball can make such a difference. Um, and and I think that that's the kind of thing that can hopefully galvanise it. Now, look, we've seen enough Spurs strikers wearing the number nine shirt that we've have scored a goal and we've thought, is this the time that they're going to explode onto the scene that never happens. So it may mm. never happen for Richarlison. But at least it, it looks like he's in a position where he looks fitter. He's scored a couple of goals now with his feet, which is probably 
you know, does matter. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. Know, not just scoring, you know, we had that Soldado just scoring penalties that don't feel like like real goals or, or whatever. So, you know, when you, when you start scoring goals that you, you feel are, are proper goals, that, that might help and, and hopefully he can push on. But it, it did just look more balanced and more natural and flowing on, on Sunday, um, which I think was helped as much by Saar being there and how he links the game and opened up Basuma as the front three themselves. Um, yeah, he's, prob- he's, he's good. He's so yeah. good. But but it probably all just links back to the the number of unavailabilities we've had in the last few weeks have just made it very difficult to play the way that we want to, to, to coin a phrase well, this the is, song. But, but this, is, this is the point, right? Like, it's, you know, when you've got what you believe to be a settled midfield or, or how, you, how you expect to play with, with your, your key players, when, you're, when, when they're removed from the, from the team, whether it's suspensions, suspensions or, or injuries, other players' form can dip a little bit because now they're having to pick up a little bit more of the ball or maybe they're not getting the support that they would have got with the prior players. So everything has to fall back into place again. And that isn't something that happens with immediacy, like like after a, a single game. And it probably won't happen properly again until Feb or March, which is, you know, the kind of the back end of the season. Um, but that's fine. One, you know, not to say that, you know... A necessary evil is a, is a, is a bit of a brutal way to, to kind of tag and label all of this, but it's good that we've got we've had this bump in in, in some ways because often like with Aston Villa now on a great run the, the momentum carried from from last season into this season, but how are they going to handle injuries? How are they going to handle a, a, a bad loss? How are they going to handle adversity? So it's there, there's something to it, especially this being. The first season with Postacoglu, the foundation setting season, we probably expected to be where we're at in the summer, maybe even lower. So the fact that we did have those opening 10 games that kind of distorted expectancies a little bit, um, that's fine. It's just, I think we just need thick skin and I think we need to appreciate the fact that that implosion um, against Chelsea was... Beyond ridiculous in, in terms in terms of what happened. Uh, just a, something just to compare, compare to the West Ham game. <clears throat> it, it was incredibly frustrating in that game as well. The, the lack of shots and the attempts to almost walk the ball in or to get to the penalty area and then cut back because there was kind of a lack of inventiveness and creativeness. Oh, how, what, what's your thinking on the on on our attacking football? Just generally speaking. Is it in, in in its infancy, and it's probably a little bit unfair to, to 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 get too analytical about it. But there's something there's something to be said about creating your own luck, right? You know, having those shots that hit someone and deflect, and just taking that early chance rather than holding on to the ball. I mean, do you do you think there's there's? I mean, there's obviously room for improvements, right? But is there anything that you still think ah, we should we should be doing a lot better here? Because Postacoglu said it early in the season, right? He said that, you know, we were winning games, but he wasn't completely happy with the way that we were attacking and, and using the ball in the final third. Yeah, I feel like I've spent 30 years trying to watch Spurs break down low blocks with no success. And so I don't feel like I've ever seen a way that it can be done effectively. Um, and against West Ham, I might be completely wrong here, but it sort of feels that, when it when you don't get it done early on and they're mm-hmm. able to settle into the shape 
players in general look for the opening even more as opposed to just trying to chance their arm. And so where you'd like them just to have a swing at something, if, if something opens up and take a shot, they almost shrink into themselves and want to find the extra pass because they're finding it so difficult to to create openings that they don't want to be the reason that they lose the ball or that a chance is spurned. So I, I think that's maybe why you get this overplaying, in addition right. to the fact that we didn't really have the horses in the box to properly impact. You know, Sun was pretty ineffectual against two big centre-halves. Hmm. Um, Johnson wasn't didn't have a good game against West Ham. Kulisevsky was drifting in and out. He was trying, but maybe not having his best game. I, I do wonder if Spurs were able to field... Sunday's 11 against West Ham if that may have had a, had a different complexion because you can move the ball so much quicker with a Saar yeah. as opposed to Hoiberg um, and even Lacelso who is a good player to all intents and purposes but you could see on Sunday I, I don't think anyone got caught on the ball from behind until Lacelso came on and it happened three or four times and th- that's not a criticism necessarily of him it's just the way in which he plays there is always the extra touch yeah. and yeah, I, I just think we just had the wrong the wrong team out to play against West Ham. Yeah. And there's probably not much Apostokoglu could have done about that if Richarlison and Saar weren't fit. And I, I'm okay just to chalk that up as a bad night at the office that we were a bit unlucky with what we were able to do. But from an attacking standpoint, um, I think I saw enough on Sunday that they clearly know what they're doing. They can get more clinical. You know, we could have scored closer to 10 than, than the four we ended up scoring in the end. Um, but there's not that many games where we're not creating... That's a ridiculous double negative. In the majority <laughs> of games, we're creating a lot of chances to score. And that's, that's the thing. Yes, it can get better as well. But, you know, it's not like Conte where we're creating three or four chances a game and hoping Kane scores one or two of them because you're not going to get another one in yeah. Yeah, for 25 minutes. After 15 minutes, we've had seven or eight shots a game at the moment. It's great. Yeah, I mean, there's... And to think we're still not we're still not at the level that we we can be because we we haven't got the players in in, in certain positions and and again his football the Ange ball is in its infancy um, just in terms of you know we're just what thirteen fourteen games into the season I can't even remember um, to go back to Richie though just just quickly I still think his time at Tottenham is limited I think I don't think he's an he's an Ange Postecoglou player. I think for a Brazilian, I know he, he, he. I know he can produce a moment of instinctive brilliance, but it's the simple things that he, he doesn't do well. I don't. I don't hate the guy. I like. I really like the guy, and I really want him to be successful at Spurs. But I think he just lacks that finesse. I think he lacks something, um, and I don't know whether sixty million quid for like a backup striker that doesn't score that many goals is really going to help us in the long run. But Again, I'm. I'm. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, and it's not that I'm. It's not that I'm sat here thinking that he's going to fail and we're going to sell him. But I just I have a feeling that we're going to want to upgrade on a lot of the players that we have at the minute in the squad, that are squad players. And I think he's he, he's one of them. Um, and let's let's just quickly talk about the defence. Uh, ben Davis, unsung hero. He certainly was on Sunday. He was brilliant. Um... And I'm fairly critical of Davis in the past because I don't think he's played at that level. Um, and even against West Ham, I thought he was a bit ponderous. Um, 
but he was great against City, against Haaland. He, he was instrumental for the second goal. And I thought his passing in particular in the second half, he was sort of finding that 25, 30 yard diagonal ball to the centre midfielder on three or four occasions that open up the whole game. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, no caveats. He, he was great on Sunday. Yeah, I mean he's doing he's doing the job for us. And considering how worried we were when we lost both centre backs for for a few games, um, I know I know we haven't picked up a lot of points. So arguably we can say that we we have struggled uh, without Romero and Mickey. Um, but yeah, he's 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 obviously he's one player that will end up being replaced. But I think I think Ben is of is quite obviously tagged with it being a legacy player and and it's obviously someone it's someone who gets targeted as Levy doesn't evolve the team he doesn't buy and there's an argument to be had there definitely that we we haven't replaced players when we should have replaced them however he's committed to Tottenham uh you and you can't fault he's uh um he's he's loyalty to the cause as well and he's he's obviously doing a job that Postacoglu needs him to do um staying with the defense Poro and Destiny are we are we looking at a Walker Rose combo here are we are we it's been a while right that we since we've got those fullback positions right and the whole inverted winger uh, wing back uh, tactic ploy, whatever you want to call it, has has been complete fire this season. I mean, it adds so much to the dynamic of the team, more so than variants that we've been given by previous managers. Poro, especially, has 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 just really shut up a lot of people. Right? He's unbelievable. Like he he is just an amazingly good player. That. I don't think anyone, even the biggest optimist, could have possibly foreseen. Um, because there was a question before mark, Before right? he signed, let alone once we'd seen the guy play a few months in January, February, looking absolutely dog shit. I mean, yeah. he, he was terrible. Yeah, um, he struggled. I, yeah, I, I can't believe how, how good he's been. I mean, if he, if he continues in this vein, I would say that he would oust Carl Walker from my Oof. like all-time Spurs Premier League eleven. That, and, that means City are going to get him back. Yeah, probably. Um, and Udoji is already in that team for me. Well, Destiny looks like he's going to. Uh, he's about to bag a five-year contract. There's rumours about other players uh, are going to be offered new contracts. It's very much a good feel uh, about Spurs uh, players fan base, the club, every, everything seems to be going in the right direction, even though results haven't. It's uh, mad how quickly it changes, isn't it? Sorry to interrupt. But that's football. No, no, that's fine. It's football, right? This is what yeah. we keep saying. It, back when we were looking for the replacement and we ended up with Postacoglu, and, 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 and it's fair enough, a lot of people had reservations for, 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 for obvious reasons, I guess, like just, you know, people look for a certain pedigree and, and as Spurs fans, we often think that the higher, bigger the pedigree, the bigger the name, the 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 easier the job will be, and we've we've proven that's not the case. Um, in that moment, you know, you think, oh, we're years behind, we're falling behind again. You know, this is a disaster. The, but but it's football's not like that. And Tottenham, we should know as Spurs fans, and Spurs are not like that. There's always drop. There's always something around the corner. We always bounce back because we're that team. There's a magnetism to, to Spurs. Even though we keep failing, we're failing at the very top end 
of, of the Premier League. We're, we're the most consistent, um, uninvited force that's trying to break down the door of, <laughs> of, the, of the monopoly, right? But we can't quite get in. We haven't tried to sneak in through the window yet or the, maybe check the back door, see if they've left the, the key underneath a doormat or whatever. It, we're always there. And and, and, and it's it, this is what makes it frustrating, I guess, from a, um, an ownership perspective. We should be... We should already be there, basically. And, and mm. but hey, listen, I can't change the past. We're here, where we are right now, because of everything that's happened. We've had a, a long, difficult four years post Pochettino, uh, and now we're, we're, we've got identity back. We've got uh, a love for the club back again, but obviously, still work to do. Now, let's finish off the defence before we move on to one or two other players and one or two other just, talking just, sorry, points. Just to go, just to go, go back to what you were saying. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the most amazing thing they've been able to do is if you look at the Brentford and Aston Villa games that were just after the World Cup and you look at the age of the players generally across the board that were involved in that game, hmm. sort of Larice, Perisic, Dyer, Davis, who will be is playing a bit now but wouldn't normally be, um, Hoiberg's not that young, Doherty, not young, Kane. I mean, obviously, you'd like to have Kane, but not that young. They've managed to crash the age of the team, inject so much youth into it, and get a lot better. And mm. I, you know, I, I was saying to some people yesterday that one of the most exciting things about the future squad building at Tottenham now is that for the first summer, probably since 2017, we're going to go into it not having to worry about any paper talk or sagas or rumours about losing our best players because <laughs> they're all going to be here. They're all part of the thing for the future. Maybe if you finish outside the Champions League, I don't know if someone like Romero might seek a move after three years. Um, I would hope mm. not and I doubt it, but he might be the only one that you could think he might, you know, as a World Cup winner, might want to be playing in the Champions League and there'll be plenty of clubs that would want him. But it's just nice that we've, you know, we sort of noticing it without realising it, managed to regenerate the team and the squad, get younger, get better, and put ourselves in that position where a lot of a lot of fans would say, God, it's gonna take three years to rebuild this squad. And they've sort of done it in a year without without noticing. This is this is this is the thing that drives the whole Enoch out uh protesting and, and, and the other the other um <sighs> How best can I say this? Because it's not just it's not just people that protest against the club. It, it's it's a general thing, and it might be something that a lot of fan bases experience. But it's this kind of deadline that that's just invented out of nowhere. Like we have to achieve A, B, and C by this date, otherwise it all falls apart. And that there's no such thing, especially in this instance. It's Postacoglu's contract. He's here for what four seasons, possibly five. He has to build towards something, and he keeps talking about building towards something. And you just have to buy into it, and then just accept those defeats, accept those bumps, because you know that there is an identity and a, a style. Even when we were losing games, you could see the football was still there. Even with the players, the, the top players that we're missing, the quality of the football in pockets was still very, very good, as good as it's been since maybe peak Pochettino. So. It's those things that are really important to, 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 to hold on to in, in the moment and without saying, well, we have to get Champions League football this season and we have to do this. It would be nice to because it means more money gets spent in the summer 
and we would need a bigger squad for European football. And like you said, we'll probably hold on to more players for longer and also sign players that want Champions League football uh, because there's a certain pedigree of footballer that will only play if they're earning a certain amount of money and we kind of need to be in the Champions League to to have that money, so, allegedly. like I always thought Spurs were cash rich, but uh, what do I know? Um, talking about Romero, okay, look, this incident, again, you know, he's gone in uh, on Joe Linton. Um, if you look at it, yes, it's a clumsy delivery of his foot. Um, the player does, uh, Joe Linton does move the ball away from the direction of Romero's foot, but Romero, Romero's a little bit slow to react and he's still obviously gone in. Whether he's meant to go in is something up for debate. I mean, I'll put my money on it. Um, yellow card. I've watched the replays over and over again. I don't think it's it's as bad as what Gary Neville thought it was. And yet, in the same game, there was an incident where I think it was Porro was absolutely smashed by, I think it's Joe Linton, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and nothing, there was no VAR check. I don't, th- I don't think, I mean, I was at the game and I've seen the highlights since, but I don't think Sky or, 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 or Gary Neville in particular responded to that. And I thought that was a, unbelievably aggressive jump mm-hmm. and maybe that looked more dramatic than it was because the player obviously was was okay but it's, it's that inconsistency again um what is romero a silly boy um buy or sell as, as twitter would ask you yeah, uh, sorry sell him or, sell him or keep him rather keep him a thousand <laughs> times out of a hundred yeah, insane question. Um, but, 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 yeah, but. he's a madman. Yeah. He's a madman. He's a lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> and I he needs fucking to, love him, and, though. I can't and he needs to rein it in. Um, <laughs> but I, I I truly don't think that Sunday... Look, I, I discuss the Chelsea one with people. Hmm. I, I don't think that the rules should make mean that kicking the ball and through someone is a red card. But you can see why that they might thought he's overly aggressive and he's followed through onto the leg maybe I, I can understand that one I, I really think this one he's just gone charging in and is a little bit late um, and Wilson moves the ball away quite cleverly that you wouldn't expect him to do that he's somehow managed to drag it back and forward um, but I, I just think we've gone absolutely mad with this baying crowd for red cards and I, I would say the same if someone made that sort of tackle on a Spurs player. You know, I think the Curtis Jones one is, is ridiculous. That that should be a red card. Um, hmm. you know, to, to miss that amount of time in a game, I, I think people have just lost their minds on, on this sort of stuff and um, they need to appreciate that it, it is a man's game and they are allowed to be tough and physical with each other. Yeah, it, it's... I, I think it, it's this narrative is, is never going away. I think there will be games where we're going to scratch our heads and, and, and stroke our chins um, with annoyance and, 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 and deep thought into into the thinking of the decision-making, whether it's the referee or whether it's VAR. I don't think we can get away with, from it. Um, whether they find consistency is altogether um, another thing. I don't think they will until they review how VAR is actually used. But anyway, VAR is fucking boring. Um, and it's, it's great not to have that many VAR controversies in recent Spurs games. Um, we scored a penalty, Adam. But what the fuck? I mean, that was bizarre. 
and Adam will be back in a moment because uh, it's not the dog this time, it's the, the, the baby. Um, so I'll, I'll continue to mumble away here. Um, yeah, we scored a penalty. And amazingly, um, if you kind of like, if you've got my eyes, you're always kind of squinting. Um, I forgot my glasses. And it's been so long since Son has scored a penalty for Spurs. I think the last person to score a penalty for Tottenham other than Harry Kane, was Deli Alley. Um, I think that's right, probably. Um, so Son steps up and he does a little, he does a little Kane, uh, you know, looks to the left or right and then kind of takes a breath and then slightly away, Kane-ish as well. So it was, good. it was good that we scored from the penalty spot because it's just absolutely bonkers that we haven't been fouled uh, in the penalty area this season. Um, don't know if we're just too honest of, of a football team, but yeah, dive more Tottenham, dive. So um, just while I'm waiting for Adam to return, um, just to, just on the whole Gary Neville thing, um, I mean, listeners of the Fighting Cot will probably hear an audio on, on, on their podcast that just covers off um, this whole Spursy myth, you know. And I think this is off the back of commentary made during the Spurs-Newcastle game. And during that game, you know, there was a lot of sympathy for the Newcastle supporters and for Newcastle United. Oh, they've got injuries. Oh, they've got players missing. And, oh, the Newcastle supporters have had to travel from Newcastle to London. I mean, fucking hell. Like, how else are they meant to get here? Of course, of course they've fucking travelled. Been doing it for hundreds of years. Well, maybe not that long, but football supporters travel the country to watch their team like boo-hoo you know you make the choice win lose or draw that's the whole point of supporting a football team anyway lots of sympathy and yet when spurs you know lose place to injury lose place to suspension lose games it's spursy it's like this word is is now being abused you know, Spursy arguably could have been. You could you could debate that it's it's getting to the semi final and then fucking it up. You know, and getting to countless semi finals. It's Spursy because oh well, that's what Spurs do. They get to semi finals and they tend to lose them. That that's fine if you want to make a meme out of that. <laughs> but losing games or losing players is normality. Every football club on the planet. Every football club on the planet struggles with these things. They are just normal building blocks of of a season, um, building blocks that tumble over. Um, so yeah, the whole Spursy thing is is boring as fuck now. But interestingly, Jamie Redknapp had very nice things to say about us, and I wasn't sure whether I was watching like an AI generated Jamie Redknapp because he, you know, he was saying. He was saying, you know, Spurs would probably be top if the Chelsea implosion had not happened. I mean, I don't even think that's a big shout. I think that's fact. I think that when you look, even if you look at the points, the games where we didn't pick up any points, the defeats against, okay, West Ham Wolves aside, the other defeats, including the Chelsea game, you could say, yeah, based on our momentum from the opening 10 games, even though we were not at our capacity, as I've said many, many times, um, the football we're, we're playing this season is enough to bully most teams or, 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 or to, to take points from most teams in the Premier League. And we've played Arsenal away, we've played Man United at home, we've played City away. Spurs are no mugs. 
And for someone like Redknapp, who's very anti-Levy, but uh, kind of anti-Tottenham, like they all are on, on Sky, apart from obviously Dawson and Robbie Keane and any other recent ex-Spurs player, for him to to say they're playing the best football, you know, there's something about them, I think is... is it's credit Hi, that I will ex- accept. Oh, you caught me mid mid. Uh... Oh no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine because I can actually bring you into this. I was, what I was talking about was um, just off the back of the, the whole Gary Neville and Sky Sports thing. Um, this th- actually, do you know what? We're going to end the podcast because we're we're, we're at forty five minutes. We're going to continue this conversation uh, for another fifteen minutes or so on the Patreon only part of the of, of the podcast because I want to I want to talk to you about this about the whole Spursy myth. Some words mm-hmm. I want I want your spin on what Jamie Redknapp said about Tottenham as well because I, I found it a bit weird that he was saying these very uh, positive things about Spurs and one or two other little bits and pieces. Christmas games coming up. Uh, so everyone, uh, thank you for downloading. Um, if you want to check out the rest of the podcast. As ever, go to uh, patreon.com forward slash spooky in purgatory. Adam uh, and dog and baby, you can say goodbye to the, the normal listeners if you so wish. Thank you from uh, the son, Richarlison and Brennan Johnson of, of my household. Um, I don't know which one I get to play out of those three, but I, I'll take some. I'll take some. I'll take some. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>